أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد وآله الطاهرين اللهم صل على محمد وآله محمد Alright, so we reached, we were talking about the obstacles of uh, Sayr and Suluk, they call it. And uh, the first one that he was elaborating on was Ghafla. And we reached this part where he talks about the Fudul versus the Aqul. Fuzul, what does Fazl mean? Fazl means something extra. When you have something more than someone else, uh, a person who is fadil means he has merits. So it's a good thing sometimes to have fazilat, fazl. But if you're fuzul, it's not a good thing. Yeah. Uh, you have this in Urdu, this word? Yeah, we say fuzul oh. is a bad Yeah, thing. so in Farsi, the same thing. This person is fuzul. Mm-hmm. Arabic too. person who doesn't mind their own business is fuzul. Right? If you tell your mom or dad, ask your mom or dad, hey, am I going to get this or not? And the, the, usually their answer to you is, mega fuzuli. Like, are you fuzul? Is that what you're asking? Why are you being, no- being noisy, no- nosy? So here, uh, he uses the literal uh, meaning of this word to discuss something that's important. And we've heard it here and there. And it's, it's common sense, really. He says there are two types of people. Uh, some are fuzul, some are aqul. Aqul comes from aql, aql. They're reasonable. Says one of these obstacles of tahzib and nafs, obstacles of sayr suluk ilallah, is that we are usually looking outside of ourselves, looking around us to see uh, how others are doing, and we're forgetting about ourselves. So this is a category or a subcategory of ghafla. It is that I am worried about others and I care about where others are. In that, in, the, in that path to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Who cares? As I've said before. He said, in this case, we're fuzul. And he explains why he uses this word later. We'll get there as well. If I'm worried about others, uh, wh- where they are, where they're at, either I want to fix them or I don't want to fix them, right? And he'll explain that if you want to fix a person while you haven't fixed yourself first, then you're fuzul. But before that, he brings an excerpt from Najjul Balagha where uh, Imam Ali is really shaking us and telling us, what is your problem? Why do you care about others so much when you yourself are in trouble? Uh, and this is uh, Nahjul Balagha, of 223 of Nahjul Balagha. That it says when the Imam heard this verse recited, Ya ayuhal insan, ma gharraka barabbika al-kareem. O man, O mankind, ya, what has fooled you when it comes to your Lord? It says when Imam Ali would hear this verse, or when he heard this verse, that's when he started speaking about this. He says that what is meant here is that what has given you jur'ah, what has given you audacity, that you are sinning and disobeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Is the the time going to come where you are going to get better from this illness that you have, O mankind, O people? You, why is it that when it comes to others, you have mercy on them? Why don't you have mercy on yourself? So he keeps repeating this concept, this notion, again and again. It says, every time you see someone under the sun, you put shade over them. Whenever you see someone that's ill, uh, you cry over them and weep over them because you feel sorry for them. 
So then what is it that gives you so much patience over your own illness? These are things that, you know, some people, they might get offended if you tell them. But this is Imam Ali telling us. There is, I've heard stories of how these ulama, they would sometimes visit each other and they would just say, I want you just to destroy me. Tell me whatever you feel that's wrong with me. Remind me of my flaws because I feel like I'm a very good person. Remind me what my flaws are because if I, if I don't know what my flaws are, if I'm not reminded of my flaws, before you know it, I'm going to be worrying about others' flaws. I forget about myself. I'm not going to get anywhere in life. What has given you so much uh, patience over your illness and the masaib and tragedies that you have for yourself? What is it that has stopped you and has... Uh, whose shoulder have you put your head on in order to cry, but you haven't cried over your own self? While there is nothing more dear to you than yourself. This is the most important thing. Who is the dearest nafs of them all? Huh? Our nafs, myself. I don't care about others. If I'm going to be suffering, I don't care about others. The problem is I don't feel the suffering. And that you don't feel the suffering because we, and it's not our fault, but we are in an environment of others who are suffering just like us. You know, al-bala. If a bala is all-encompassing, then it becomes easier for us to bear it. If I'm the only one with a problem, it's hard for me to bear it. But if I'm not the only one, everyone's suffering from the same problem, then it's easier for me. You know, when they take you to the principal's office, when you see three of your friends there, it's easier for you, right? Than when you're the only one in the principal's office. The problem is that we're living, and not just, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about this region of the world. No, all in all, in times, we're living in these times of everyone is suffering from the same problem. As a result, we don't cry over ourselves. But when you sit amongst these, uh, in these special environments with people who have worked on themselves. Ayatollah Bahjad, he would, there's, a, there's a story in one of his books, he says that there were about, I don't know how many people he was counting. I don't, I don't remember the number. But he says, if you were to walk in back in the day when he was in Najaf and in the house of Najaf, he says that you could count, I think he said 50 people. He says 50 people in this sahan of, of Najaf you know, that entrance of the haram of Imam Ali that that, um, that uh, entrance, the golden entrance, you know? Yes? We all, you all have been, right? The golden entrance over there, that, in that place before Fajr Salat, he says back then when the doors were locked, people were, were there doing Salat al-Layl, okay? He says about 50 people, if I get the number right, it was a large number of people, you could count 50 people who were doing Dua Abu Hamza Tumali in their Qunut of Salatul Witr or Watr, whichever way you say it. That kind of environment, if, you, if someone's in that environment, yes, they're going to be in pain and suffering for themselves. If I'm in that environment, I'll be... But the thing is that those days aren't here anymore. And uh, even, even if you go to Najaf right now, even you won't see it the way it was 50 years ago. It wasn't like that. It was, it's not like that anymore, unfortunately. So when I say it's because of our environment, I'm talking about a universal, uh, let's call it epidemic that we have in this day and age um, where everyone's suffering. And so it's everyone's suffering. People, no one feels like they're suffering. He says, these are the examples that Imam gives in that, in that khutbah. And then he points out the problem itself. So he's talking, giving examples of shade, 
of illness, of all these things, right? But then he gets to the crux of the matter. He says, if we see a flaw in others or a ghafla in others, it bothers us and it affects us. Um, but we never look in ourselves to see where the flaws are and the ghaflas are and the sins are. Ya ayyuhal insan, ma gharraka birabbika al-kareem. Meaning, Ya Yuhal Insan, Ma Jarra'aka Ala Dhanbik. How much audacity do you have when it comes to disobeying Allah? And what has fooled you with Allah through Allah and makes you at harmony and at peace with your own destruction? That's what it is. At the end of the day, it's our own destruction. Ama min da'ika bulul. Is there any cure for your sickness? Imam Ali is telling all of us. I'm not telling you. Right? Imam Ali is telling all of us, is there not a cure from your sickness? There's no awakening from this deep slumber that you're in. You're not going to have mercy on yourself the way you have mercy on others. And this is one of the problems that I know I've kind of pointed out before that we have in our communities. We, the, when you have a center, when you have a community, it's a good thing, but it's also, it can be, it's a double-edged sword in a way. Because you feel like, okay, I have a community, so we're good to go now. No, no, the same people that are suffering outside of the community, the same thing that people are suffering from outside the community, are suffering from it inside the community. The problem is, I set foot in the community, in a center. I feel like, okay, I'm taken care of now. Sometimes I tell people this, even back home, living in, an Islamic country sometimes get, get harder than living out here. Because out here you have your guard up. Back home, you don't choose your relatives. You don't choose a lot of things. And so sometimes it gets harder even to, re, to, to secure your faith back home. Why? Because the guard is a little down. We have the same problem when it comes to community. Is that we bring the guard down. And slowly we think like we've been taken care of because we're involved in this program, and setting up that program, and in, in, in participating here and there. And we feel like we're taken care of, so now, what am I doing? I am looking at other people's flaws. First of all, who asked you to even take care of other people's flaws? But even more importantly, does it not scare you that you're even thinking about other people's flaws? Yeah, it's very dangerous and a very sleep, uh, steep slope that you don't want to be on. And Imam Ali is reminding us of that. So here, Ayatollah Jawadi, he ends with this line, he says, Fuzul is a person who does extra unnecessary stuff. That's a Fuzul. You are worried about, this is all unnecessary, it's not worth anything. It's extra. What do you do with extra stuff? You throw it away because you can't use it. Or you leave it for others to use it. He says, this is the exact definition of a Fuzul. Not because he's nosy, or she's nosy about others, although that is the case, you're being nosy. But the reality of the matter is that what you're doing is extra, it's unnecessary, you're not getting anything out of it. Yeah? When you buy something but you can't use it, it's extra, it's surplus. He says this, but if someone's aql is the one dominating here and the one calling shots, not other things, and the person does islah of themselves and refines themselves, this person is aql, the opposite of fuzul. Yeah. <clears throat> so don't worry about other people and fixing other people. And then he, he makes his way into a little thing on the side, which is also important. 
Um, and that is that, okay, so we're not worrying about others at all anymore because we haven't even taken care of ourselves yet, right? He says, don't look at it like that though. This muqaddima, this prerequisite, is a tahsili prerequisite, not a husuli one. Alright, let me explain that. Let me give you an example. <clears throat> if you want hajj to become wajib on you, or if hajj, wants, if, if hajj is going to be wajib on somebody, it is when they reach a point where they have enough wealth to cover the costs, right? This is called istita'ah, right? Question, is it wajib for me to go make money so that hajj becomes wajib on me? So this is a prerequisite for hajj, yes? Or a preliminary step for hajj. But it is not wajib for me to even achieve that so that hajj becomes wajib. If it just so happens that I achieve that muqaddimah, then hajj becomes wajib on me, right? So this is a muqaddimah. This is a pre preliminary step to hajj becoming wajib. But this preliminary step in and of itself is not wajib to achieve. So it's called husuli. This is a muqaddimah husuliyah. Okay? And we have a lot of examples of that in fiqh. Alright. But there are other muqaddimat that are tahsiliyah. That means you have to achieve them. In other words, for example, I have the wealth, I have all that is necessary to go to hajj, right? Hajj becomes wajib on me. Can I purposely put off traveling to Mecca until there's like half a day left till hajj season and I'm still in Dallas? Right? And then say, okay, it's out of my hands. I can't fly there in like half a day and get everything taken care of. So hajj is not wajib on me. No, no, no. This part of it you have to achieve. Right? This is a tahsili muqaddimah. Some muqaddimat are husuli, some are tahsili. Okay? Now here, he says, if we are saying that islah of others, helping others, refining others, is none of our business, and we're going to be fuzul if we do that, it doesn't mean that now, we say, all right, you know what? I'm not even going to take care of myself anymore, so I have to worry about others either. No, no, no. You have to take care of yourself and achieve this muqaddimah, this tahsili muqaddimah, so that also what else becomes wajib on you? Wajib not from a fiqhi perspective, from an akhlaqi perspective, of course. Take care of myself so that I can take care of others as well. And there's, this is why this hadith makes sense, that the Holy Prophet said, or maybe Imam Ali said, that kullukum ra' wa kullukum mas'ulun Hey Shia. And this is why I keep emphasizing that we got to learn, we got to educate ourselves. Because before we educate our others, we have, uh, if, if we're going to educate others, we have to have educated ourselves first. It says, all of you are shepherds. Ra' means, it comes from ra'ayat, mura'at, to watch out for something. All of you are shepherds that have to watch out for a flock. وَكُلُّكُمْ مَسْؤُولٌ and all of you are going to be asked about the flocks that you were responsible for. Where does that put us? <clears throat> and then a guy doesn't even know the first three surahs of the Quran, their names. Hmm? A guy is living five minutes away from here, but could care less about what is happening here or not. It's not about Mizan or Momen Center or City of Knowledge or Ilm It's not about these things, brothers and sisters. It's about if something is happening where knowledge is being disseminated and Allah has brought it close enough to me, am I making the most of it or not? This is, uh, we're doing our job. If others are not doing their job, it's, then they're going to they're gonna be responsible. I'm not, can't, 
I can't be here sitting in America with all the resources at my disposal, really. And all the tolerance for different religions here versus other places. And I have the time and everything, and yet I still slack off and I say, whatever, you know? It's not how it works. Ayatul Sistani, he says in his book, Ibn Hajj al-Salihin, right there in the beginning, he talks about ta'arrub ba'd al-hijrah. And how it is haram for someone to move to the, a non-Muslim land if they can't secure their faith. But if they can secure their faith and, and promote and propagate that faith, then it is one of the greatest mustahabbat ever. Well, for that to happen, first I have to learn. I have to educate myself. But you know what we do? We go for the middle ground. You know what the middle ground is? We facilitate other people's education. I'm going to use examples. I don't mean anybody in particular here. I will be running Sunday school. I'll be running this place. I'll be holding majlis at my house. But when it, when it comes to myself, I'm just running around. I am helping others educate, get educated. I'm not taking care of myself. Allah, what does Imam say? Ama min da'ika bulul, am laysa min and you see this. This is something that is happening a lot nowadays. People get rid of the guilt. Why? Because they made sure that they've set up some programs for others to benefit. If others are benefiting. Now, there's another story. That itself is another story of what are we exactly doing. But that's a different story. But, but assuming that people are benefiting, the question is, did you benefit? When you look at the ulama, this is laughable. It is laughable for them to set things up for others, but they're not benefiting themselves. They're going to take care of themselves first. And this muqaddama tahsili, they're going to take care of it, and then they're going to take care of others too. That's why the hawza, that's what it's all about. It's taking care of the aytam of Al Muhammad, the way the hadiths have said. That the orphans of Al Muhammad, someone has to take care of them. The, orphan, the, the ulama have to take care of them. But these ulama, they take care of themselves at the same time. At least at the same time. If not before, at the same time. So this muqaddama tahsili that he says in like three lines and he moves on is super important. It's not like medicine. It's not like, I don't know, whatever else specializations out there that are out there. It's not like that to say, you know what? I'm not going to take care of others who are maybe sick and ill because I don't even want to go into medicine. That's fine. That's fine. But when it comes to sayr and suluk, when it comes to tahdeeb and nafs and refining the self, and these things, no, no, no. Muqaddama tahsili. It's not muqaddama husuli. Yeah, if I just so happen to study, I become a doctor, yes, now I have to practice. Yeah. Yes, if it just so happens that my money reaches that point where I have istita'a for hajj, I have to go to hajj. But this is different. So as I always say, life is like a treadmill. You have to run on it. If you stop, you fall off. There is no in-between in middle grounds and we can't fool ourselves. Imam Ali is shouting at us. In Nahj al Balagh Khutbah 223. Okay. So he ends with this hadith by Imam Ali that Imam Ali is the first of them who had a aqul qalb, a aqul heart, that he was worried about himself more than anybody else. Okay. What are the. What sets the grounds for this ghafla that we talked about for the past? Two sessions maybe, and today a little bit. Um, he says, look, there's, a, there's different things, but one of the most important uh, things that factor into ghafla happening 
is something by the name of Khawatir. And I've been asked to go over a little bit. Instead of 30 minutes to do like 40 minutes. I don't know. I'm going to keep looking at your faces to see how much I should go. Uh, huh? <laughs> now you know who the one was who suggested it. <laughs> yeah, but... Uh, 35? How much should I go? 55. Huh? Huh? No, you just came. You can't. This week I'll go like around 30 again, but from next time, uh, if everyone's okay, because everyone, lots of people are asking, 40, 40-ish, something like that maybe. From, uh, but this time since you didn't know some of you might have something to do, then uh, I don't want to go against what we promised. But from next week, inshallah, we'll go to like 8, 10, 8, 15 maybe. Anyway. What prepares the ground? Well, one of those things is khawatir. If you go to these books of, you know, these great ulama, uh, and you know what I mean by great ulama here. He might not be a marja, but he's great in the other sense of spiritual wayfaring. When you read, a lot of them are talking about something called nafyul khawatir, which means to reject. Khawatir comes from khatirah. Yeah? Khatirah comes from khutur, something that crosses your mind. Memories, thoughts, ideas. You know, these unwelcome thoughts that we have in our minds drive us crazy. These are what cause ghafla. He goes into an explanation that's pretty nice. Hopefully we can go through it tonight in the next 10 minutes that we have. He says one of the main things that causes ghafla is this khawatir. All the stuff that's in our minds. He gives an example first and then he gets to, comes back to what we're talking about. He says, look, let me give you an example before I talk about this. And this hurts us especially in Salat. When we say, Allahu Akbar, the things comes. Everything comes. As if, no, Allahu is not Akbar. These thoughts were Akbar. Because right when I said it, they came. They are my Allah, as if. And we all, we all suffer from that. It's fine. We just have to work on it. Now, he says, he starts with this example. He says, every time we want to start something, we want to do something, a craft that we want to become good in, when we start, we're not experts in it. It takes some time for us to become experts in it. On the other hand, we see the prophets of God. When they were doing, their craft was doing good. Their craft was being righteous and righteous deeds, right? For them, they were already experts in it. Why is this the case? What's the difference? For us, it takes time. For them, it doesn't. Why? Because he gives us two examples of verses of Qur'an, of why this is the case. It says, the Holy Prophet, the Qur'an has said, وَنُيَسِّرُكَ لِلْيُسْرَىٰ we make you easy for good things, for easy things. نُيَسِّرُكَ yusra. That's on one hand. In other words, when it comes to good deeds, it's not easy for you. You've been made easy for them. Think about it. Sometimes you want to sh- push something through a barrel or a tube or something, and you squeeze it through. Eventually it makes its way through. Sometimes you take a bigger tube, and that thing you want to fit in there easily goes in. Yeah, sometimes you make the morsel easy, sometimes you make the tube easy. Yeah, here it says we made you easy for righteousness to flow through. It doesn't say we made it. We made righteous deeds easy for you. We made you easy for them, like a like a a good sip of water that you have easily goes down your throat, versus something that you force down your throat. Yeah, it goes down easily. It goes through, flows through the prophet easily. Now, the verse that he uses, man, Jawadi Amudi is great. 
thing he says after this, it, it, it illustrates what he's trying to get to here. He says, what did Prophet Musa say when he was sent uh, to Fir'aun? Rabbi shrahli sadri wa yassir li amri. Yassir li amri. Here the object of the sentence, the maf'ul of the sentence is amr. Make easy for me my affair. His affair is what? The greatest deed of all, which is what? To, do, to, to uh, exercise your prophethood, right? And to deliver the message. So it's a righteous deed. But he's saying, make this deed easy for me. Well, the holy prophet of Allah was made easy for all the good things out there. So a person that's like Prophet Musa has to keep asking, make this easy for me, make that easy for me, make this easy for me. The holy prophet though, he doesn't have to make such duas. Because he himself has been made easy for good deeds. You get what I'm saying? Alright, so he uses this example, Ayatollah Jawadi. And he says, but mankind isn't like that. For us, we have to continue to do righteous deeds until they become easy for us. Alright, he says the same thing with on the flip side, with, when it comes to khawatir. He says, khawatir, the problem with them is that we register a lot of things around us, right? We watch, I mean, he doesn't say this here, but like we watch lots of TV shows, for example. We talk to a lot of people. We listen to a lot of things. Here he says, Guftanha, Shenidanha, Shirkat Dar Majalis. You know what that means? Like just, you know, just being in different gatherings. Reading certain books and magazines and all that kind of stuff. He says, what happens slowly is these different, when we read, when we register data, all of this is transformed to what? To images and concepts and thoughts in our mind. He says, these slowly accumulate. As they accumulate, a shok is developed within us. An inclination towards these things is developed within us because that's what we are piling up in us. Okay. So we were talking about ghafla, one of the grounds of ghafla. This is it right here, he's saying. One of them is this. He says, as these things accumulate, it turns into a malaka and disposition of, within us. It becomes a kind of like second nature for us. All these thoughts that we have. Okay. Well, so what? He says, when this happens and it becomes a disposition, <coughs> these thoughts, become, they stay alive within us. They don't go that easily anymore. Right? So this multiplicity around us, we just it's unfortunate, but this is the times we're living in, unfortunately. Lots of information, lots of data coming our way, and we're just taking it all in. And the body, the soul, just like the body that can adapt to certain things and become resistant and tolerant of certain medications even, our body, these things become second nature for it. Now our soul, excuse me. It becomes second nature for it. And it feels like this is all, this is it. This is what I'm after. These things stay alive within you. And when these things are alive within you, it equals ghafla from Allah. It equals ghafla from and heedlessness and negligence of Yawmul Qiyamah, Ma'ad, all those things. And yes, it is the case. I hate to break it to us. If we want to step a little further than wajib and haram, which I'm always emphasizing, if you want to take a step further, yeah, you have to sometimes limit all the input and influx of data that we have. I mean, it's not easy. It's not easy. These people live simple lives. He says, as a result of that, all of this, ghafla comes. So the same way I made myself on the previous page that he was talking, we, you slowly make yourself easy for these things. You've made yourself easy for ghafla. As a result of what? 
all the engagements, all the reading and talking and sitting and gathering and watching and all that kind of stuff. <clears throat> and so he says, as a result, and I'll end with this paragraph right here. He says, as a result, the person is constantly, I'm just reading, I'm just translating as I go, constantly in thought of those materialistic things that bring about pleasure for them. As long as they are engaged with matters of this life, yes, not only is the body engaged as you're doing work, but also the mind is also paying attention to the work. You see, so he says, there's here the zahir and the batin are in harmony with each other. They're in sync. <clears throat> because I have prepared myself for that. My, it's a disposition now. It's part of me. It's second nature. I've let all of this accumulate. So he says, my body is busy with work, but my mind is also busy with that same work or whatever it is that I'm doing. And there's harmony between the two. He says, what I mean by this, he says, is that as I am engaged in whatever pleasure, not even haram, he's just speaking in general, whatever pleasure it is, my heart is also with it. So I have exactly what, it, what I'm supposed to have in salat, I have here. In salat, the body is moving, and the heart is supposed to also be there, right? But since these khawatir are there, in salat, it's not working. But everything else it is, because of how I've prepared myself for it. He says, this is why when we're praying, yeah, as I said, the body is in motion, but the ruh and the heart is somewhere else. Somewhere else. Now this khawatir, we talked about it. Yeah? As I said, ulama really discuss how hard it is to get rid of this. And you now he goes into, after this, he goes into ghafla in ibadah, reminds us of all the problems we have. Then he talks about a little solution, a couple solutions. But I'll say it then, that you know these solutions don't cut it in my opinion. It takes more than that. Well, let's see what he has to say. And then after all of that, he goes into some more general stuff regarding Rafla as well, that we'll leave inshallah for our next session. So as I said, next time we'll go a little bit more if it's okay with everybody. If it's not okay, let me know after the session. Even if three people tell me they're not okay, because we started like that, we'll go on like that as well. But if you're okay with it, then... We'll continue with a little bit longer session starting next week. Any questions before we end? Uh, <clears throat> is a wajib thing. We have to see the muqaddama there. Is it there or not? The muqaddama, uh, even if I'm committing a haram and someone else is committing haram, I have to tell them not to do it, but I have to not do it either. Just because I'm doing it doesn't mean I can't tell them. right? Because that is an, another wajib and in that wajib, the condition is not that if you're not doing that sin yourself. You hear me? If Amr al-Ma'roof, I want to do it, but I'm like, okay, I'm not going to do Amr al-Ma'roof to this person because I'm doing the same thing. That con that's not a condition for Amr al-Ma'roof. Yeah? So there it's, it's, it's different. No, it's not, like, uh, it's not like Hajj where you say, I don't have it, so I'm not going to. No. Allah says, do it anyway. But you have to do it for yourself too. Both. That's the meaning of muqaddam attacks. Yourself and others. Anything else? So you mean if I do fundamental sins and someone did it, I can do amr al-ma'roof? Yes, you can. These are akhlaqi. This is not. This is beyond sharia. This is akhlaqiyat. Yeah, don't do. Or even when he wanted to do had on certain people, he would say. Others who have done the same sin don't come. Yeah, 
the had, you know, the hudud. <coughs> These are akhlaqiyat. When it comes to fiqh, al-ma'ruf is a fiqhi mas'ala. So we look at the conditions. Nowhere in the conditions of al-ma'ruf do you find that it says, al-ma'ruf is wajib on you if you're not committing the same sin. You don't have that anywhere. So it's wajib for me to tell them anyway. But we were talking akhlaqiyat right now. This is all akhlaq. How is this discussion relevant to us here? We were talking about me working on myself and working on my flaws should not be a barrier for me helping others as well. But I have to take care of myself first and it, I have to try my best. I can't say, oh, I'm not going to take care of others because I haven't taken care of myself first. No. Work on yourself, make yourself better and make others better. But these are all akhlaqiyat now. It's not a shari'i mas'ala like al ma'ruf. Which one was it again? Yeah, these are akhlaqi. These are, these are more akhlaqi. Yeah. Okay, thank you very much. Alhamdulillah.